What's up, bingers? We've got a great guest for you today. She's the host of the And That's Why We Drink podcast, Christine Schieffer. The internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. Yeah, so uh, Lisa messaged me and was like, are you going to get on this? And I saw it was like one off. I'm like, it's two o'clock. And I wanted so badly for this to be all her fault. <laughs> no, you yeah. always do, don't you? But <laughs> been like, there, oh, don't worry. Go, <laughs> I'll go through these emails and then, oh, one. Okay, well, I mean, surely in my calendar and in four places in my office, no. I have written down one o'clock. Listen, maybe the universe wanted us to meet at two for some reason. Who knows? <laughs> right. Uh, I blame the fact that I was in Texas when I put it into my calendar in the one place. That happens, yeah. Right. With the time difference, yeah. That's happened to me more yeah. times than I care to admit. Uh, so how are you? I'm great. I'm super honored to be here. Thank you for having me. So where are you located? So I'm actually in, uh, I recently moved back to Cincinnati, Ohio, where I'm from. I was based in LA for like six years. Um, but my husband and I wanted to buy a house, so we moved back to the homeland. And uh, we're technically in northern Kentucky, but in Cincinnati. So, uh, Why not just buy a house in L.A.? Well, <laughs> check <Yeah>. Zillow. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we, we thought about that for about 0.5 seconds and looked at, you know, Redfin and went, uh-oh, uh, this isn't really great. So, you know, I was, I was commuting back and forth, actually. I was flying every three to four weeks back to L.A., and that actually was cheaper somehow than actually buying a house out there and working out there. So um, I was flying. Obviously, now I'm not really traveling at all, but um, that was that was the idea. So yeah, I, I have a friend. So I'm from a very small town in southwest Michigan. Oh, nice. And when I was out working in LA, I had a friend that lives in Studio City. And and he's got a great job that makes big money. And he was just like, I'm broke all the time. He's like, my it's tiny so hard. <laughs> costs so much money out here. Yeah. M and I, when we started the podcast, we actually both had like, I think, between the two of us, like $400 to our name at that point. And we spent every dollar on our recording equipment and had like no dollars left and went, this better work. And thank God it did, because right. that was probably a stupid move looking back. But uh, it worked out. It uh, what, did. what did you do for what did you do for a living before uh, the podcast? Well, I moved out there to be a TV writer, pretty classic Ohio to LA uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be TV writer. I worked at Nickelodeon actually for a while. And um, so I was actually doing that, which was kind of my dream job. Um, but then I became friends with M and we were like spending every night talking about ghost stories and creepy stuff. And I basically, at, well, I guess at the point that we were doing the podcast, I was actually in quote, in between jobs, very LA. And I was working as an Uber right. driver, a dog walker, like any sort of little job I could get. So it was exhausting. And I thought I needed some, something fun to do uh, after work. So we started the podcast and it worked. <laughs> That's cool. It's such a great story. So many people that just start. I my, myself, I started a podcasting as a hobby, just something to do on the evenings. Yeah, 
and then was able to leave my job. Did you did you write uh, on anything for Nickelodeon that we might be familiar with? So I it was one of those weird program. I was in like a fellowship program where we were kind of t- uh, tossed around to different rooms. So like I briefly worked with the uh, SpongeBob folks, but very briefly. Um, but that's kind of my <laughs> made up claim to fame. Um, it just kind of all of it, a lot of it was like uh, developing and pitching ideas. Um, so a lot of it was like stuff that never even really got made. But yeah, it was kind of my my dream. I got to meet all the the voices of SpongeBob. So that was pretty cool. Oh, very cool. <laughs> uh, d- now, what did M do? So M actually worked at a prop house for a while, and that was actually kind of a cool. Uh, it was they were a cool friend to have because. And was like, come over for lunch. And it was, it was like the biggest prop house in the country or the world. I don't totally know. But they were like, come over. I'll show you the drug room. And there's a warehouse full of like every kind of fake, you know, cocaine and drugs for movies. Um, like, you know, bricks of cocaine. Just the wildest stuff. Like there's a whole ammunition room where you can like pick up all the guns and, you know, fake, obviously. Right. right. Um, and see all the props from other movies. So. We both had kind of a hard time leaving our jobs because we really did enjoy them. But um, the podcast was just kind of a new job, a new dream job we didn't even know existed. So you were the classic LA between jobs when you started. Yes. Was <laughs> M also between jobs or did she officially leave her job because of the podcast? So M actually, the, yeah. So no, M was working at the prop house, I think, since I knew them. So it was, uh, God, years they were there. And I left my job like way before M did. Um, and M had a hard time kind of, M had a better, let's just say M had a better experience at, at work than I did. It was, M had more friends, you know, like a community and friends and that kind of thing. So uh-huh. I think it was harder for them to, to leave. But I was at a point where I was like, I can't do all of this at once. I need, something's got to give. Um, so I said goodbye to Squidward and, you know, moved on. <laughs> so now, so now 200 episodes later. When you decided you guys you wanted to make this podcast, uh, and it's in your podcast is super unique. I listened to a couple episodes. Oh God! <laughs> uh, before we did this interview, and it's it's unique. It's like two stories in one every episode. You have M usually focuses in on some kind of supernatural, paranormal type thing, and then you right. focus on true crime. So, so like, how to, talk to me about the the development of the the, the idea to do a podcast? What totally. it was going to be about, and then how to format and format it in such a unique way. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it sounds so professional when you say it out loud. But in reality, when we (laughs) came up with it, we were just sitting in my like tiny apartment. And uh, we spent a so I'm actually worked as a uh, real life paranormal investigator back in Virginia in college. So I was like, just I was like, tell me stories, tell me ghost stories. And um, I had actually done one of my little temp jobs was actually at a PI like a private investigation office. And I was obsessed with uh, like true crime and everything in that category, and M didn't really know much about it. So we were trading stories all the time. And um, at one point, we were like, uh, M actually came up with the idea and was like, maybe we should just put a microphone in between us. And have you heard about the? I was like, have you heard about these cool things called podcasts? And M was like, no. <laughs> but then M decided we should try it. So I was like, I guess so. Um, but we didn't even know each other that well, to be honest. We were like just starting a friendship. So I was very nervous about it, but. Um, yeah, it kind of worked. And, and we thought the fun way to do it would be the way that we did it every night at my apartment, which was just tell a story the other person didn't know. So, um, you know, M comes to the table every week with a ghost story or a paranormal, sometimes aliens, that kind of thing. And I come with a true crime story. So we're, we kind of get the genuine reactions from the other person. So it's fun. Yeah, I was, you know, I did, I listened to more recent episodes, so I didn't hear, you know, how things develop. But it, 
So so that's how it works. You both d- gen- genuinely seem shocked by what the other one was yeah. saying. <laughs> it's not we're not a- we're not good actors, so <laughs> it's not fake. <laughs> so when you come in, you have no idea exactly. what kind of crazy story she's going to share. Yeah, exactly. Vice versa. Yeah, it gets a little bit uh, hard to plan ahead because we don't know what the other person's doing. So we it, it's some sometimes people want us to like do a combo story and that kind of thing, but it's really hard to navigate that. So we just kind of do our thing and surprise each other each week. Um, but yeah, it's a good time. I mean, we still have fun. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, we have a, we have a method. <laughs> right. Well, you guys sound like like you're having a blast. The podcasts are super interesting. So oh, you guys decide you're going to make a podcast and this is how you're going to do it. And, and how did the first one go? Or, <laughs> do you look back at episode one and I can't with pride listen to and say, it. <laughs> that was some great work that we did and I see why we've been so successful. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so horrifying, really. And our first episode is I guess with most podcasts, the first one is the most listened to because everyone kind of right. tries out your first episode. Um, and the I messed up the audio somehow. And I, I, I had studied journalism in college. So I was like, I got this. I know how to audio edit, video edit, etc. And then I don't know what I did, but I did something wrong. And the audio is <laughs> like, wah, wah, wah. So <laughs> it sounds really painful to my ears. Um, we barely knew each other. We were sharing stories. We were like, oh, my mom's name is this. And now I'm like, best friends with em's mom it's very weird because looking back we kind of developed our friendship throughout the show i think in episode 13 em told me that uh they went to clown college and now that's like (laughs) i I need to know more about em i know i want to know more about the paranormal it's wild investigator (laughs) her time at clown college (laughs) it's so strange to like forge a friendship this way because basically everybody listening got to kind of be along on the ride as we learned about each other so uh over time we've really obviously become really close and now we're business partners too so you know it's a it's kind of a unique a unique friendship i guess did you discover that she went to clown college live on the air oh yeah it's recorded for posterity's <laughs> sake uh actually i also uh, introduced em to their girlfriend who uh, was my college roommate and was visiting from tanzania of all places and it's you can hear them meet on air and you can hear em like f- you know tossing and trying to figure out how to flirt with Allison and it's like so awkward to listen to now because it's like <laughs> basically i was so ignorant it's basically like a full hour of em kind of trying to flirt with Allison and tripping over their words and it's very funny to hear now cuz they've been dating for years at this point but we have like audio evidence of the day they met which is kind of fun so it's kind of a cool little uh time capsule (laughs) diabolical vengeance betrayal bad hair leaning hi everyone this is kimberly and this is katie and we have a weekly podcast called a date with dateline a recap of dateline episodes we talk about important issues like grainy surveillance footage cell phone towers Andrea Canning's white jeans and Mankey's hankies. We delve into the details of any victim who's ever loved life or lit up a room. So find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and iTunes to make a date with Dateline. And remember, don't watch alone. A Date with Dateline is a podcast hosted by two professional amateur true crime TV experts with no formal training, but evidence lockers filled with snark and uninformed opinions. So for sure, (laughs) and that's why we drink, is a bingeable podcast because you get to hear not only... (laughs) 
a new story every week, but you get to hear the development yeah. of your relationship with M and their relationship with their right. girlfriend. Right. Like all of that. That's right. fantastic. It's fun. Yeah. You said what you said earlier is so frustrating. I had the same experience with like like everybody that listens to the show uh, always goes to episode uh-huh. one. Yeah, you know, they go back to one. And just like you, my my first episode was wretched, horrible, <sighs> so much so that it that like two years in, I went back and transcribed the episode. No way. And re and re-recorded <laughs> it on a better microphone. Because I was in in episode two sounds just as shitty. Yeah. But I added a little intro to the beginning one. I was like, listen, this is gonna sound like oh, shit. Oh, that's so but- fun. I love that. <laughs> If you keep listening, it'll get better. You're gonna grow with me, and then it's like remastered. Wait, that's actually a, kind of brilliant. I feel like I should I should do something similar where we're like, trust me, like stay a little bit longer, and it gets better. I promise. Well, at least in your show, like you get to hear, like you hear this like arc of like the development of your characters. <laughs> right. I was trying to act like I knew what the hell I was doing <laughs> on episode one. I'm like, listen here, this, let me tell you who committed this murder. But it was like. <laughs> Don't worry. I think every podcaster has been there, so don't worry. I've been there for sure. I think I'm the only podcaster I know, and I'll have to ask you to see if my streak continues, that has never recorded it. Well, I have, but not for the podcast. Recorded in a closet. Oh, I've never recorded in a closet either. I was just thinking, you just said that you guys both recorded in your apartment. Yeah, together. it was on the kitchen table, and everybody who lived with me had to go into their bedrooms and lock the door so that they didn't disturb us for like the four <laughs> hours we edited my my husband and my brother lived with me, and they were very patient. So I have them to thank for for you know giving me the space. But I, I don't honestly. I'm thinking why we didn't record in a closet because we lived in LA and our closets were not big enough. Like we there was no right. there, there wasn't a closet to you could fit in um, with recording equipment. So we kind of had to make yeah. do, but it worked. Yeah, most of those that I hear it's, it's always when people are recording like alone. Is they'll get in the right, closet. Right, right, true. Put, yeah. You know, you know, <laughs> Good point. Good blankets point. Blankets and mattresses and stuff to try to make it not, not oh, so echoey. You know what? We did actually. That's a really great point because if we did probably something weirder than a closet, which is when I, I moved to a new house and it was suddenly like so much bigger than the place we had. So it was so echoey. And we had this like spare bedroom with no furniture in it and it sounded terrible. So what we did was we and worked at a prop house. So it was like, you know, rigging all these things together. And we ended up hanging a bunch of blankets. But one part in the middle kept falling, so we like used a plunger and held up the blanket on a plunger, and it worked so well that for like I don't know months we recorded in the plunger fort, and it was just this giant blanket fort like held up by plungers. It was it was not a closet, but it was pretty unique, I would say. Close to it, I did the blanket trick too. So I I recorded in my um, because I have four kids and two German shepherds. So oh wow! Podcast, yeah, <laughs> there's house. no way any place. Yeah, there's nowhere to have record to be quiet. And th- and my family sucks. You know, like your family. You tell them, you know, go in the other room and be <laughs> yeah. quiet, and they'll be quiet. Not so much with mine. To and be fair, I don't have children involved. That would that's a whole next level. I can't imagine. <laughs> oh, if you think my wife wasn't half the culprit, like, are oh. you still recording in there? Not. <laughs> 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 right. So, so I I moved out to my garden shed. Oh, that's fun. in the summertime, and it, and that was and it was the worst. I had my my lawn tractor in there that somehow always had dog shit on the tires, <laughs> and it, it, that smell was just in there. And I and I bought moving blankets and wrapped it all the way yep. around my little recording space, and then built a box with foam that I tucked. Oh my, my god! Little, 
it, oh, it sounds crazy. If, if anyone were to glance in, they'd be like, oh, no, a mass murderer lives in there. But I mean, <laughs> right. we do what we have to do. <laughs> right. Right. And, and such is the world of the independent podcaster. Exactly. <laughs> so you guys, uh, you start this podcast. It's a super unique idea and, and, and fun to listen to. And then the name of the show is And That's Why We Drink, which got my <laughs> attention because as I uh, just mentioned, I have five, six, seven reasons why I drink yep. live in my house. <laughs> so how'd you guys come up with the name? You get the idea pretty much. Uh, you pretty much nailed it. Uh, yeah. So we actually had a name. This is another kind of embarrassing fun fact. We had a name already. It was called Eerie and Theory. And we were like, yeah, this is our new podcast, Eerie and Theory. And we thought it was so <laughs> badass. And we even bought like a Google phone number for it and got the Gmail and the domain name. And we were kind of, we were like, something's not fitting. I don't know. We had like a really late night session. At, at one point, we hit like a roadblock and it was probably four in the morning and M shouted, that's why I drink and like threw their papers down. And we both just kind of stared at each other for like way too long and went, that's got to be the name, right? Like, I know we just bought a domain, but we've got to change the name. Right. Um, and so, yeah, the, the podcast, that name kind of stuck. And everyone in our families we told was like, that's a way better name. Please get rid of Eerie and Theory. <laughs> so we stuck with, and that's why we drink. Um, and we basically were like, we are going to talk every week about the things in the world that make us drink. So, you know, in the beginning, we'll say like, oh, why are you drinking this week? And it's, you know, oh, I got into a fender bender or, oh, my mom's coming to town or, you know, whatever it may be. And then obviously uh -huh. the bigger reasons, which are, you know, murder and creepy ghost stories etc. aliens or ghost stories or and aliens yeah <laughs> so did, did you ever launch with eerie and theory and rebrand or did you figure it out before episode one dropped so we did we figured out before episode one so we started right as and that's why we drink but we've held on to that eerie and theory name because we're like maybe we'll do like a little mini spinoff or a patreon series we're not sure mm -hmm. yet but we we think it might be a fun like throwback in a few years of oh the early days and see what we can do with it but that, that's awesome. It is a cool name. I mean, and that's why we drink makes more sense to me. Uh, but, but Eerie and Theory yeah. is a cool name, too. Oh, thanks. Well, yeah, so maybe we'll keep it. I don't know. We like to <laughs> laugh about it because it's embarrassing now. But plus, you own that domain. Yeah. Do you know how many? True. <laughs> I own, if you go on my GoDaddy account, I own like oh, boy. 400 domains. Because oh, my God. I'm the worst. And I never, I don't know how to make a website, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Squarespace.com. Right. But I'm always, I'll be like sitting around and I'll get an idea and I'm like, oh, oh, I get this great business idea. Usually, you know, with an over a glass of bourbon, I have this, <laughs> sure. this brilliant idea. I'm like, oh, I need to snatch up that domain right now. It's so like, <laughs> no one's taking it. Right. You gotta, you gotta go for it. Shockingly enough, no one's taking <laughs> it. And then when I really need one, like for this show, for True Crime Binge, Dot com is gone, so I look like the loser. No, yeah, I'm the loser with the dot net website. True crime binge. Dot net. I love that. Oh, it's so embarrassing. Every time somebody asks what the website <laughs> is, it's dot net. No, it's dot not net. Dot com. That's at least it's cool not like dot edu. Live. I feel like they're weirder ones. So <laughs> right, right. Dot net's not terrible. <laughs> but my failed business ideas can be tracked chronologically through the list of domains I own on. <laughs> on, on I love that. You have like a record. You could probably do a podcast just on that. Right, I feel just like a, I'd love to listen to it, that <laughs> A whole episode of my domain names that I bought. <laughs> yeah. And then and the, the worst ones are when I'm really fired up about it. Like I just have this, like this one's, this is smart. This is going to be a good this podcast or whatever it is. And so I buy every version of it. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, one, yeah. At one point we had uh, Mike, who's our producer and editor, 
you know, he does some side gigs editing. And I was like, you know, we could make part of NBI Studios as my company. We could, we should make an editing wing of this where we'll hire a few people under you and, and people will send us there. And I always joke with him and call him the podcast mechanic because he takes yeah. my, and I was like, we, we can call it podcast mechanic. And I own podcastmechanic.com.org.net, <laughs> the podcast mechanic. <laughs> like, yep, like yep. so many of them and then like the next day he's like i don't i think you know i really i edit enough podcasts i don't want to oh edit any more i think that's a great idea personally i think that's actually kind of brilliant <laughs> um i promise i won't steal it but it's brilliant right uh but GoDaddy's bad about that too because you like will buy a name and it's like well what about putting a, a number for instead of the word for somebody might take that and i'm like shit i guess for two dollars or five dollars extra they, just, they upsell I need you it. all the time and they convince you <laughs> That you're an idiot if you don't do it. And they just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after you bought four <laughs> versions of it, and then they're coming up, but do you have .us? Oh my God. Yeah, I'm like, oh God. I was this close to getting stuck with true crime binge.us. I was so upset because I, made, I, I was like going to scrap the whole idea if I had to be one of those .us losers. You know, .net .us. is bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even know .us existed. Exactly. I like that. Exactly. <laughs> So what happened, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, probably you don't own 257 domain domain names, uh, but one thing GoDaddy will do is if you search for a domain and you find it and it'll say, you can buy this domain for $5.99 and you're right. like, great. And then you're like, well, let me check some other ones. And then you go back to it, it'll say, you can buy this domain for $17.99. No. Yeah, oh, that's evil. Yeah, because somehow in their, in their algorithm, they're like, oh, someone else is looking for it, so we're raising that's the price. That's not nice. Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> Why I use Squarespace? I hope yes, they're exactly. a sponsor soon. Squarespace promo code. Promo code <laughs> true crime binge. Uh, so, okay, well, we should get into the case, I guess, at some point. Um, sure, yeah. Uh, and so we are here to discuss the Miriam Rodriguez case. Well, it's a Karen Rodriguez case, really, her 20 year old daughter. Yes. That, right, exactly. That was kidnapped and murdered. But this, number one, this story's nuts. And number two, oh my gosh. I swear to God, I've seen this. I've seen a documentary. I've seen a, tw a movie. Like, a, is there no movie about this or is there a movie that's just like this? So M kept comparing it to, because we covered this recently, M kept comparing it to Taken, which I was like, mm, sort of, right, but not really. That was the one I was thinking of. I, I no, I'm sure it she was, was not. She was the Liam Neeson mom. <laughs> I, got, I caught M's references. You know, there you know Liam Neeson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, no, but I think, uh, I don't think there's been, so the article that kind of, it ha happened years ago, but, um, the article in the New York Times was released in December. So that's when it kind of became like a huge news story. Mm -hmm. So very recently, and I know Bloomhouse just bought the rights to, uh, to the story to make a film or a TV show. I'm not sure. Um, so I don't think it's been made into a film or TV show, but. The article is very in depth and interesting, so I don't know if you maybe saw that or. I, so when I, when I got the name, this is the the case you want to discuss. I researched it and I found this article in the New York Times, mm -hmm. uh, and then I went and listened to your podcast on it and realized that was the same reference. So we're on the same page, you and me. We both read. The, yes, the same, that's the, the same we article. found the same same source. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, so give us the beats of the case. What's what, what's the story? What's the story here with uh, Karen and and Miriam Rodriguez? Yeah, it's I mean, it's a roller coaster. I was totally taken by the story. I think um, a lot of people were actually I think the week after I covered it, my favorite murder also covered it. So I think it's very, you know, in the in the zeitgeist right now. Mm -hmm. But it, it's it's basically about a young woman in Mexico who was kidnapped by uh, a cartel down there and was basically held for ransom and ultimately killed. And her mother essentially 
takes <laughs> takes justice into her own hands and tracks down the people who uh, kidnapped and murdered her her daughter. And she actually managed to do a lot more than the police were doing and managed to put many of them in prison, um, managed to, I mean, she was dressing up as, so she had like fake identities. I mean, and she was this middle-aged lady. She stalked people through social media to find out where they worked and, you know, camped out outside their work to to find their hours and followed them home. I mean, it was, just, it's just one of those, it, it is sort of a Liam Neeson-esque in that, well, yeah. you know, she took justice into her own hands, but it's, it's cool. And you don't, you don't often hear about you know, women in that kind of badass position. So I thought that was really a cool twist on things. Um, and ultimately, unfortunately, at the end, you know, she was killed. Uh, it was kind of amazing she didn't get killed before because she was literally meeting with the cartel and tracking them down. And that's, uh, as far as I can tell, not something you really do uh, if you live in Mexico. I, um, no, no one should no. do that. Anyone, please. The, the reason no one had caught him before is exactly. the police are afraid of them. Exactly. She was insane. Yeah, it was really nuts. (laughs) I mean, yeah, she she's she's putting on disguises and staking people out. My favorite is when she chases the flower cart man down the uh, down the bridge with her her family in the car with a pistol. They they came with her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For those of you listening, understand this is a drug cartel. Known to be yeah. one of the most dangerous drug cartels in Mexico. Yeah. And she chases this drug cartel member down on a bridge. And when he falls, <laughs> she gets on top of him and puts a gun to the back of his head. Yep. And waits for the police to come to snatch yeah, him up. Yeah, holds him for an hour. Holds him for a full hour, not even shaken by it. And he gets sent to prison. It's it's really incredible. And I mean, I think it was one of those things where the police at first were annoyed with her and frustrated. But over time, they were like, oh, no, she's actually doing a really good job and so they sort of developed a respect for her and kind of followed her clues and when she would say oh this guy lives here they were able to come and arrest him so she kind of ended up just feeding a lot of information to the police and after she was killed actually the um police used her some of her clues that she had gathered in her paperwork and actually uh, they were able to track down one final person a woman who had been involved in her uh, daughter's not only kidnapping but like torture um and so they found this woman so it was almost like even after dying in from the grave she was able to still put one person away because of the research she had done so really a badass lady yeah but then i as i'm listening to this i'm wondering like did the police really respect her a couple things one first of all why is she holding a gun to this man on the bridge for an hour i know for aren't, an there, hour. aren't there authorities on literally both sides of that bridge <laughs> that's a good point like, you just hold him right we'll be with you in, in just a minute like, That's why a good is, point. Why I is it an hour? <laughs> and then, and then, like, there's the part where you know, with the first guy she tracks down after you know stalking his girlfriend <laughs> at the ice cream shop. I know, yeah. <laughs> and then follows him home, and then tells police. Now imagine this: she tells the police, "Okay, the guy that met with me about mm-hmm. the people that that mur- we had the ice cream or coffee. No, they had coffee, coffee together. Yeah, she had a cup of date. coffee with the drug cartel leader." The guy yeah. you guys refer to as Slender Man. Yeah, exactly. They they have a cup of coffee together, and and then she 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 knows for a fact this guy's involved. She tracks him down, follows him, calls the police, and says, "I found him. This is the guy that I had coffee with. He knows where my daughter is. He's I, I he's been just taking money from me, telling me he'd get her back, and he's right there." And they're like, "Well, I'm sorry, 
since you don't know his full name, we can't arrest him. She had his Facebook profile. I mean, you'd think that that would be enough to say, oh, here's his identity. But I guess they said it's not it's just not enough. It's not well-rounded enough for us to, you know, step out and actually arrest anybody. In what what world is that the case? You know, they didn't say, well, we need more evidence. He said we need his name as though if I witnessed a murder and called the police and said, hey, guys, that dude right there is the one that killed that person. And they're (laughs) like, well, what's his name? Well, I don't know his name. Oh, that's, that's what a what a great stroke of luck for him. He gets to I go know. free because it's you don't know his name. Well, and it's infuriating because by the time she finally finds an investigator who's willing to work with her, the guy had moved and left town, and she was like, "I lost my chance." And thankfully, right. the universe like kind of conspired to bring him back into uh, their lives. By he came back to town, and her son spotted him of all things um, and called the police, but. Yeah, he left town and I was like, that must be just the most frustrating oh. feeling of like you put in all this work and time and energy and then no one wants to help and he leaves town. I, I think that might be the second most frustrating thing. The first most frustrating thing is when she risks her life and tracks these people down, Ugh. tackles a man on a bridge, holds a gun to his to him for an hour, locks up 10 members of the cartel, and then <laughs> yeah. they all escaped. Oh my God. They all escaped. From the fucking jail. It's so infuriating. It's like, it's like, I'm said, I think on the show, like, you had one job. Like, she's doing everything else. Right, you had one do- job. <laughs> keep, the, keep the jail closed, please. Right. Oh, that feeling. I mean, and she was putting in so much work and energy and like, I mean, was a full on vigilante. Um, and yeah, it just felt like everybody else was kind of tripping and messing things up. And she just kept fixing up everybody's mistakes and. I mean, thankfully, ultimately, a lot, of, most of them, I think, were recaptured. But I mean, that feeling of like back to square one <laughs> must right. be terrifying. All the work I did for all that time is just. And now they're free, and they know who she is. So it's like she's a huge target too. Yeah. You know, and then she ultimately ends who... up being killed by them. Yes, exactly, exactly. You know, after she, what she, she requested, you know, ten members of the dangerous drug cartel that you put in prison mm-hmm. just got out of prison, and so she calls the police and says, "Can you protect me?" Oh, yeah. And they're like, yeah, we'll drive by your house a couple times a week to make sure, you know, yeah. if we they just- They sent like one or two patrol cars. Yeah. Yeah. If we just happen to cruise by on the day they come for their vengeance. <laughs> for their vengeance. Right. Yeah. Idiots. God. But that made, it got me thinking the whole time I'm listening to this, I'm like, I bet the, that the cartel and the police were in cahoots the whole time. And this woman, Miriam, is screwing everything up because she's saying, there He's he meddling. is. meddling. Yeah, yeah. Arrest them. Because like the prison break, come on. Like how can that be? <laughs> it's it's pretty ridiculous. How can that be an accident? It has to it has to be like you sent us all in here and you know our deal. So right, you know, right. Open the door for <laughs> however. Well, and also, I mean, there's definitely a lot of obvious like uh, layers and nuance to the Mexican government and the you know the war on drugs and crime down there. And I am not even remotely an expert in that. Um, so I definitely can't speak on that, but. I know my favorite murder covered it, and I listened to the, their episode as well, which did a good job covering it. And they kind of touched a little bit more on like how bad things were. I mean, this town at, where they lived, most of the shops and restaurants had closed because it was such a dangerous, violent area that people were just getting kidnapped and killed. So they were one of the only shops that had been left open in town, and their family members had already moved away. Like it was so bad um, that I think I know I said this in our episode, but I think they said. 
if you found a mass grave with fewer than 20 bodies, it wasn't newsworthy because yeah. that was just a normal day in town. So it was just really next level, like out of control. So I think, and I know that obviously the uh, war on drugs down there and all the cartels, it's very political also. Mm-hmm. So I know, th- I think they mentioned at one point in an article I read that there were two different governments, like the one at night and then the one during the day, that kind of some might have been in cahoots and some might have been the good guys. It mm-hmm. all seems very nuanced and complicated. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was, if she was meddling with the wrong people. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if it was just the cartel, she was definitely Even if it was the just the people. cartel. Yeah. yeah. They were definitely the wrong I, people. I, <laughs> I've turned down cases on truth and justice that have been pitched to me where they're like, here's a person and da da da. And, and we're certain that this person, this is an actual case that was brought to me. We're certain this per- from a, by a lawyer, we're certain this person is innocent. She was set up, she was framed, and we know who did it. It was the, and here's all the evidence. Can you help her? And I'm like, that story's right up my alley. Who's the, who are the people that did it? And they're like, oh, they're part of the Mexican drug cartel. <gasps> and I'm like, oh, no. no, I think, uh, I, I think I'm going to pass on that one. Yeah. Like, I mean, no, that's probably smart. From yeah. 2,000 miles away, I'm not messing with the, the Mexican drug cartel. No. I have a family and they the, annoy me when news. I'm trying to make podcasts, but I don't want them dead. <laughs> So I'm not. Like, you don't want them yeah, taken from you. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, they said they're. I'm no Liam Neeson. But let me tell you, I don't have any sort of special skills other than my mouth to try to get me out of that mess. <laughs> right. The only skill I have is uh, social media stalking. I'm quite good at it, but that can only get me so far. I'm not about to bring a. Gu- I don't even know how to shoot a gun. I'm not about to bring a gun <laughs> right. on a chase. You know. So I think I stop at finding someone's Facebook profile. But yeah, I mean. It's it's pretty wild, and I think that the unspoken agreement in, in town or in Mexico in general, especially with this cartel, because I think they're listed as the most dangerous, if, you know, maybe one of the most dangerous mm-hmm. in Mexico. Um, and the unspoken agreement was always, you don't mess with them and they don't mess with you. But since uh, Miriam's family had a business and some money, they assumed that's why the cartel went after her daughter for ransom, because they said, well, she has a company, she, has, uh, she must make decent money. Um, so we're just going to target her for that. So she was like, well, you mess with me. I guess I mess with you back. Also, uh, and, and we'll put a button on this in a second, but it, one thing that occurred to me from the very beginning is they kidnapped, tortured, and murdered this woman for a <sighs> ransom of, wait for it, $2,000. Uh, yeah. Like, what yeah. kind of ransom is that? That, 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 that for $2,000? It's I've never even heard of something like that. You'd think it'd be... You know, we want a hundred thousand or a million dollars for someone's child. Yeah, and well, the crazy thing too is that when they took out, they had to take out a loan to pay that. And there's actually a bank. I think I don't know if I fully touched on this in the episode, but there's a bank there that specializes in loans for ransom money. That's how right. rampant this is. So they had to take out a loan from the ransom loan company, and uh, you know, pay with that. And then the once they paid that, the cartel kept calling and asking for more. So it ended up being I don't know how much total, but. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars they ended up paying, and they paid every time, which is just so heartbreaking, too, because the cartel had no, they had probably already killed her by this point. They had no, you know, right. uh, plans of giving her back. It's so tragic. And, and the, the bank thing, is I, I mean, I'm assuming, I didn't look on a map where this city is, but it's got to be a border town. It is, yeah. Um, because I know, like, Juarez is, you know, right. border is, like, horribly, you know, same type of thing happening all the time. Very, very dangerous. But yeah, mm-hmm. the, the bank has a rant, like, you, you <laughs> You go in to get it's a like loan, a special like, loan, yeah. Uh, is a personal fi- personal loan, home, auto, or ransom? It's this one's <laughs> auto ransom. Or ransom. It's a ransom, and loan. they're like, "Got it, yeah." yeah. It, and they just, but it's easy peasy. I mean, <laughs> right. 
that just gives you like a glimpse into what this environment is like and how scary and common it is. Oh, it's so horrible. And the the case like it's it's tragic and then it's kind of triumphant because she, you know, she's a badass and she puts 10 of these people in prison and then it's tragic all over again because yeah. then she ends up being murdered by them. But then a yeah. little bit of triumph at the end when, you know, her final lead after she's gone that they Yeah, uh, exactly. they captured one more person. And I think she did. She also, you know, worked with a lot of families who also had missing uh, family members, children, uh, loved ones, and actually created like an organization to mm-hmm. to help, uh, you know, pay for people. Uh, I guess it's another rant. I don't know if it was pay for people's ransom or what, but to help other families, um, you know, use the media and stuff to try to find their missing loved ones. And then when she died, her son took over the, you know, took the reins on that. So she kind of inspired a lot of people too. And I know there was a protest right after her death, um, an anti-government protest of, of all the women in the area who had missing children. Uh, so she definitely like sparked something in a lot of people. So at the very least, she was she died a hero. Yeah, she most definitely did. And and with that, uh, Christine, I'll let you go. Her name is Christine Schieffer, uh, and her podcast is And That's Why We Drink. Definitely worth the binge. Christine, thanks so much for joining me. This was great. Super fun. Thank you so much for having me. True Crime Binge is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing. Music and artwork by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com, was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com. If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is TrueCrimeBinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. And make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. Thank you so much for listening and make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge.